0: You've been causing problems for me this weekend.
1: I've done nothing.
0: So, first off, your tweet about Alabama having a very good Saturday, which is objectively true. They beat Gonzaga, uh, and uh, they beat uh, Georgia in the SEC championship game in their, in their two major sports, did not sit well with, uh, with young King Dave uh mckinney uh who encouraged people to subscribe unsubscribe from the (laughs) auburn observer has normally been
1: our number one fan
0: yeah and on a weekend where he gets to find out that auburn's playing in the birmingham bowl this is how you treat him this is this is how you this is how you how you deal with it i am not owned
1: i am not owned justin that is what i feel like
0: and then when I point out that, like, you know, making a little joke, it's like, hey, you know, Auburn you, Auburn fans, <laughs> you wanted to play in Birmingham in December. You want to see those Tigers get back there in Birmingham. Not, I, I think only, like, a few people got what I was saying the first time because there were a lot of, like, real earnest replies being like, yeah, it's good that they're playing in Birmingham. It'll be right down the road. Like, if you're going to play in a bowl game, if you're going to play in a bowl game, like, and I kind of get it. Like, if you're not in the New Year Six, and I guess if you're not in the Citrus Bowl, like, Yes, technically, there's a difference between playing in the Outback Bowl and playing in the Birmingham Bowl, but l- really not. And if you look at the SEC, the SEC just like pulled the map out in the in the in the uh, bowl uh, lineup and was like, "All right, here's what we're gonna do. Um, we're gonna try to make this as rig this as much as geography as how possible." How many people
1: will buy tickets, and how many people in that area will watch the insurance commercials <laughs> that we put on in between? Do you know plays? what time that game is? I, I don't... Do I want to know?
0: No. It is 11 o'clock... There go. Perfect. ...on the Tuesday... Good. ...between <laughs> Christmas and New Year. Perfect. I love
1: that. That's the thing that I'll stop what I'm doing. And so,
0: like, if you're off of work that week... Good luck. You can go. And I know there's some... Um, there's some Birmingham natives that listen to this podcast that are going to go. And there's some people <laughs> who are going to make the drive up from Auburn or, you know, from all over the the state or maybe uh, in the, in the general southeastern area. Um, But man, that's one of the deadliest time slots I've ever seen for a bowl game. It's going to, I was playing in one of those bowl games that like every year, whenever there's a bowl game going on at that time, like, why are they playing a game right now? (laughs) It feels like that little, that little dead spot, especially when you have like a clear cut. The weekends are uh, the holiday week, uh, you know, the holiday times this year, the way the calendar looks up. But yeah, the SEC sends Missouri to Texas, Perfect. Uh, Florida to Tampa, okay. uh, Auburn to Birmingham, yep. Mississippi State to Memphis, which is not too far. It's, 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 it's a decent drive. Maybe not you've crazy. watched
1: the award-winning Blindside and thought, wow, they really did a good service to all the people in that movie and how they were per- portrayed throughout the
0: entirety of the film. They sent South Carolina to Charlotte to play North Carolina. Easy matchup there. Um, They sent Tennessee to Nashville. Easy. We love Nashville,
1: actually. Good spot. I know, you know, I was talking to someone at work recently, and they were deciding where it was the bachelor party was going to be, and they said, I've heard Nashville's a big spot for the bachelorette Bachelorette. parties. And I'm like, you know what? This is true, Mm -hmm. but you could still have a great time in Nashville, my friend. There's no need to
0: be too worried about it. Uh, they sent LSU to Houston, and then yeah. they looked up and they were like, well, shoot, we have several bowl games in Florida and only one Florida team. So A&M's in Jacksonville, Arkansas's in Tampa, and Kentucky um, getting the big one, uh, Orlando, the one Auburn got last season. Wow. So yeah, pretty good. Like They heavy-handed. Kentucky's got uh, some big shoes to fill. Yeah, and guess who they play? Uh, I- Iowa. Oh, God.
1: I guess I think Kentucky should be following. The over
0: under for that game should be like 11, <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was the SEC very heavy handed in, in, where they put out their bowls this year. And I mean, Auburn, the closest to it, like a lot of like, who's the closest to these places, um, kind of bowl designations there. Uh, Ole Miss is in the sugar bowl, I believe. Wow. Yes. Ole Miss is playing uh Baylor in the sugar bowl, which should be a pretty fun one. Um, so <laughs> I uh I don't know I just had to, I just had to laugh at it cuz like Sunday morning is just the word you know around around the program it was like yeah we're going to Birmingham Bowl and then it was like came out a little later in the day it's like Houston is going to be the opponent and then I think Brett McMurphy finally like pulled the trigger on it in the afternoon and the SEC they do it every year they're like Remember, guys. Until someone officially announces it, it's not real. And McMurphy's like, "Man, screw y'all. I got, I got, <laughs> I got this." Like he's over here just firing bullets on, on it. Um, we, we love to, we love to act <laughs> like uh, the bowl tradition is like this, like sanctified thing that we can't, can't touch. But yeah, Auburn's playing in Birmingham. Um, Painter does not seem very, you know, thrilled what? With it. I'm what are you going to do? You're six and six. Are you going to be picky? No.
1: Exactly. And yeah. so, if anything, like we should, need we the should thank Overlord Sankey for giving us the opportunity to meet up with our friends in a generally, like, central location.
0: Yeah, um... I'll be interested to see how many of those friends actually show up on a Tuesday morning in 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 Birmingham, Alabama. New stadium though, you don't have to play at Legion Field. Although that's, that's
1: sort of the appeal for me. It's like for a moment we get to per- pretend like we're Alabama and we're using this other place as our home base, but then charging uh, people neutral site.
0: You get a beautiful view of uh, you get a beautiful view of the Top Golf over there by UAB. I guess that's the. That's the landmark. I think I've seen uh, at least
1: a few people express an interest in simply being at Top Golf while the game is going on.
0: If you get, if you get high enough, if 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 you get high enough at that point, uh, you might be able to just to kind of turn and, and watch it from there. I don't know. I don't know how all that works. But is
1: Ben Wolk a good top Top Golf guy? He's a pretty good golfer, so like, I would imagine. It seems like Top Golf would be up his alley. Yeah.
0: Look. We will get into more of the game as we get closer to the game. First of all, we don't know who all is going to be playing for Auburn, specifically at quarterback, um, just because of the the Finley injury. And they haven't had practices since then, so uh, it remains to be seen. Brian Harson didn't talk on on Sunday, and still an offensive coordinator search going on. We'll talk a little bit more about that shortly um, here in this podcast. But um, Houston, like early look at Houston, like – they only played one team that's ranked all year, Cincinnati. Uh, shout out to the Bearcats for getting into the into the Final Four. Um, they only played one Power Five team all year, and that was Texas Tech. Um, they only played three teams that finished with a winning record, and the splits between what they are on offense and defense in those games compared to the rest. Which you, I mean, you, you can only play who's on your schedule, is pretty significant. Then again, we don't know kind of how Auburn is. Like one of the examples was, you know, I think it was Pablo on Twitter was saying like. Wow, Houston's run defense is amazing, and it's like, well, Cincinnati and Texas Tech ran the ball really well against them. Um, but yes, they beat up on really bad competition. The problem is we don't really know of the way Auburn's running game's been this year. We don't know if that's good or bad necessarily. Like, what is that going to look like? Who's going to be out there? Um, I think the big thing is is they got to get the practices. They they absolutely have to get the practices, and um, we'll we'll see what all what all comes up from that. But that Houston team won a lot of games um this is going to be a you know this is going to be a game where auburn has a chance to beat a team that's ranked in a bowl game they haven't done that since the 2010 national title game which i found pretty surprising um you know it'll be an opportunity i think harson said it in his statement afterwards is like man we're we're focused on ending with a win and getting some momentum back which is a good way to to view it i, I should I, I would say for auburn but yeah um Anyway, Birmingham for christmas slash New year's you got it Auburn fans. I know there were a number of you online that were petitioning for it and you and and you got your wish um painter you're not in Birmingham Parts unknown is not Birmingham, so I think you're gonna be watching it from the comfort of your own your own home. It's gonna be perfect the uh also keep in mind this that is the night that is the day before the SEC basketball opener Auburn against LSU so like it's it's positioned the game itself is positioned perfectly between Christmas and New Year's between the last non conference game in basketball and the first con- like it's it's kind of just like a perfect planning wise spot for for us so you know nobody wants to hear you know sports media people uh, complain or not complain about their lives because they do this junk for a living. so uh, but good good for all of us. So if you are if you were team Birmingham Bowl, congratulations. I'm gonna enjoy an easy bowl trip and a whole lot of basketball. How about that? Observer podcast, the weekend edition. Justin Ferguson, right here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpless, in parts unknown. Painter, hello? hello how are you? Ugh, that was bad. Hello, how are you?
1: <laughs> uh, you know what? I have been better. I have to say, the uh, state flagship school is owning me right now. Mm.
0: Well, Painter, I can say this because I am but a uh, observer, to <laughs> if you will. Yeah, if you will, to this, but um, I think it's very important to not tie your uh, self worth and uh, and esteem in not only not your team but the other team as well. Like that, probably doubly important.
1: Probably doubly important considering Alabama. how good they seem
0: to be at things right yeah. now. But look, we you know we'll get to football, but like Auburn's really good at basketball too. They don't have a big scalp like Gonzaga, but but. They're in a really good spot right now, and we're here to talk about that. Uh, Auburn, Yale. Let's let's get to it. Auburn uh, picking up. Paner, uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this right off the top. I, I thought probably the best front to back games all Auburn has played this season, and, and against a team in Yale that um, you know is going to be in the hunt for the NCAA tournament. Easily,
1: I don't think there's any question that this team, after having a strong showing, even with the loss to UConn, a nice week. Gets a couple of days off, comes back, looks dominant from the start. I don't know what else you can say. Like, you can pick individually things that could improve, Mm -hmm. but you have to feel good, I think, about where this team appears to be in terms of chemistry, in terms of what they're doing in production. And it seems like, and I think Jabari even mentioned this, like, mentally, the team looks like they're having fun. They're in a good space right now.
0: They are, and and you can tell that they're having fun playing with one another and kind of kind of growing and learning together, uh, which is a big spot to be in. Alan Flanagan uh, continuing to look good in his kind of rehab efforts. You know, taking some shots in pregame, um, starting to kind of move around a little bit better. They're expecting him maybe back in action mid December, which would probably mean you know you're looking at January probably before he's like fully ready to go again. Uh, which will be fine because I think that that'll be enough time for him to make a a pretty sizable impact on the games that matter most this season um 86 points from an Auburn team that shot the ball particularly well early um not as well in the second half from deep but um everybody kind of making it rain uh from the outside we we knew this Yale team coming in was going to be able to shoot and they did they took a lot of threes and uh it took them a while to adjust to the fact that uh Hey, you should probably uh, you, you should probably not try to test Auburn on the inside. Um, the most blocks Auburn has had in a game under Bruce Pearl, even more so than that Georgia game last year, um, they picked up uh, 14 in that game. Uh, in the beginning of the game, there was a stretch where Auburn had blocked pretty much every two-point attempt that Yale had tried, um, and this is a game Walker Kessler only played eight minutes. Uh, he had a lower leg issue, um, and, he, and he's been kind of nursing that for a while. Seemed to have aggravated it um, in this game. Didn't play at all in the second half. He had four blocks in eight minutes, but Dylan Carwell and Stretch Akinbola getting an opportunity to play a little bit more in this game because of uh, Kessler's uh, absence. Uh, both of them had three blocks as well. Uh, Devin Cambridge blocked a three. Um, there was just a lot of really good play up from from Auburn's defense, and it's like, that's a team that if they run good stuff and like if you let them get those drive and kick opportunities or, you know, if you're not out at your tightest out on the perimeter, they can make you pay. And so what Auburn did is they pushed up on them. They used Zep and they used KD and they used Wendell and they used Devin and those and Chris Moore and those guys to kind of force them to dribble and force them to say, you know what, you're not going to get those catch and shoot opportunities just as frequently. And so they would have to drive to the rim and you got trees down low, not only with Kessler – But in this case, um, Cardwell and Akinbola. And man, shout out to Stretch. Stretch had an excellent second half on defense. This is a dude that coming into the season, it was going to be hard for him to find minutes just because he's not quite as the same offensive player as Dylan Cardwell is, who has been really good off the bench this year. Kessler obviously is going to command a lot of minutes. Jalen Williams is going to command some minutes at center because they want to play Jabari uh, a lot as well. So he's he's at the bottom of the pecking order. He's had several DNPs this season. Um... But the opportunity comes, and you know what? Full credit to him, man. He took advantage. And I think, Painter, that's another example of kind of the chemistry and the camaraderie on this team where you have a guy at the end of the bench who isn't playing as much, and when he gets his opportunity to come into the game, he picks up right where he left off. As Bruce Pearl says all the time, you got to stay right and stay ready. And, man, Stretch had several really good defensive plays there in the second half.
1: I think it's – fair to point out that you don't have to expect stretch to be a difference maker for this team to still be a player who has a real role like there's a significant uh contribution i think in that you've got a guy who's played some real minutes for you in which you have a situation where a player like walker or jalen or jabari or dylan goes down or is out Mm -hmm. because of foul trouble and you can get a couple of minutes out of this guy again like I don't think we have to pretend that Stretch is going to be a star for Auburn, but having him seems to be yet another example of why the depth of the Auburn's bench is so valuable in a league when you watch what Alabama just did and what we've seen Ole Miss beat Memphis. Like, I think Memphis has some issues. I think Memphis (laughs) Memphis has some issues. But, like, we're just getting more evidence as it goes on that this is a deep league. And so having a deep team seems to provide you with some pretty obvious advantages did you see um
0: did you see uh, penny's comments you know i thought I it was he ta- odd he, that he, he, talked, basically... to seth, he ta- talked to seth davis and he was like i'm going to get mean with those guys it's like yeah dude good luck <laughs> have to try something different
1: well and like i thought it was odd his comments about being perplexed about his own team's confusion and comparing them to an AAU team, which of course is like, well, man, like you recruited some of the best AAU players in the country. I, you know, I think you're sort of indicting
0: yourself. And he's like, he's talking about like, yeah, guys are upset with their minutes or their shot opportunities. It's like you yeah, control like, that, sir. You have to build a team. You can't just build a collection of talent. And especially in college basketball, you can't just build a collection of talent and hopefully it just make it work. I mean, how many times have we seen John Calipari come into a season with Kentucky and have the most loaded roster possible. And it never really quite clicks what we've seen him do more recently. And the teams have been really well. It's got some guys who are returning. Now he's taking advantage more of some graduate transfers and guys in the portal. It's like, you got to build a team. You can't just say, well, we, we got all these good recruits. Here we go. Like, and I think that's part of the thing, what you're seeing with Auburn as well. You get elite recruits, but you also surround them with guys. that are going to play their role. And you know, just buy into the culture and i just there there isn't really a culture right now like that at at memphis for a number of reasons and i think think you saw why um speaking of height and speaking of having those guys the the big guys um jabari smith once again i mean just kind of lighten it up i'll give you a little preview monday uh we're gonna put this out you know sunday night hopefully uh, Monday at the uh, at the Observer, I'm going to do a film room just on Jabari's offense through the first few games of the season. Did some stuff with some clips. Uh, tried some new things. Trying to put it... I mean, he has just been a, 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 on a tear this year. Even early on, he had a hard time, you know, hitting some of his shots. He had some of those mid-range opportunities that didn't quite fall. But then he got into the flow of the game a little more. Hit some threes. Just continues to be pretty much everything you w- want to have on the offensive side. And we knew... In this matchup, Yale was not going to be able to compete with Auburn's height. Much like the UCF game, the front court height was not going to handle. And so Jabari's the big mismatch, right? He's 6'10. He does the big man stuff, but he also plays like a guard and plays like a number one scorer. And that makes Auburn that much more dangerous. Yes, it's Yale. I'm not expecting everybody to get stunned against Yale. But
1: anytime you're facing off against what could be a tournament team or is almost yeah. probable to be a tournament team, given the three Pete they're looking for. And as Bruce pointed out four out of six conference titles, like that is a competent opponent.
0: Very much so. And, and he is, you know, just eight games into his college career, right? Like, so, you know, it's hard to believe sometimes that this dude's just a freshman, especially when you see, you know, like in that Alabama Gonzaga game last night, Chad Homer and kind of just disappear and not even really be a factor in crunch time. Um, when people say Jabari's got a shot at being the number one overall pick, this is what they're talking about: it's the fact that he looks like a complete player and more of a guy that you can run on earlier on. Now, Holmgren, as I wrote in the mail back on Friday, Holmgren's got the elite length and the height and and the stuff like the stuff that Jabari can do. He can do it at a bigger size, and so trait wise, he's going to get it. But if Jabari's putting up these kind of numbers against quality quality competition, you know, later in the season, whereas Gonzaga, we know their schedule has to be kind of front loaded because of the fact that the west coast conference is not as good um, you know obviously as as a lot of uh, as a lot of leagues that is going to play into the picture so it's like him and Paolo Boncero like that that's going to be a, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch but yeah i mean there were just a few sequences again in this game where it's Jabari just says, well, "You know what? I'm 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 going to be in the NBA very soon." And he make, and he takes shots and he makes shots that are very NBA-ish where he does it, he does it's like the guy in front of him, the guy putting the hand in his face doesn't phase him. And I've always said that the thing that, like, separates really good college basketball players from NBA players is the ability to score with good defense on you. And Jabari definitely has an advantage because he's 6'10". But to be able to shoot like that, I mean, he's, he's, he is Auburn's best shooter right now this year with, you know, that, that kind of mentality. It's just – it. it there was a thought that like maybe it takes him a little while to get going. I mean, but really from game one he has just been everything he's been cracked up to be, um, you know, coming in and and I think I think Auburn fans a lot of Auburn fans realize it and get it, and so I'm not I'm not having to speak to anybody particularly when I say yeah, just cherish this if you're a fan at this point because like he ain't gonna be around for forever.
1: It's nice too, like his teammates. There's a certain level of trust and goodwill he's clearly oh, already yeah. built up because of the way they seem to defer to him on some possessions. And I think you're seeing more of that. I saw early uh Cambridge had an open look, um, but the defender was closing. And I think out of the corner of his eye, he caught an open Jabari and, and Devin goes, you know what? Like it's uh first, I think good development from Devin. I think there are times where he would have just shot that because Bruce Pearl tends to give his guys the green light. But then on top of that, like, out of the corner of your eye you see an open jabari and you go you know what i I like his chances
0: yeah and and well i I want to mention devin here in a moment too but uh yeah really really impressive the way he's been able to kind of plug in and just there are stretches where yeah you can see kind of like click on for auburn just but yeah that dude that dude probably should be touching the ball here or "Ah, that guy should probably be shooting it here on this possession um and Auburn players have done a really good job of kind of bringing him in there, and and he's just a unique player because, you know, it's one thing to be a fourth guard to be a face up player at the four. That's already in itself a matchup problem, but to be six ten and to be a guy like you know who is got kind of an NBA ready game in terms of his confidence and his kind of wide bag of tricks when it comes to getting his own shot. That that just that that means that means so much. So like I said, we're gonna we're gonna do a film room on uh on Monday of, of Jabari. There's some really interesting numbers and kind of sequences there for him. Of course, the lead, Jabari wasn't the lead scorer in this game. That was one Katie Johnson once again. Katie Johnson gets the wind knocked out of him early in the game, said he had been feeling under the weather. So Auburn fans kind of like, oh no. Oh, he's down. And then of course the Caps were left the game early. Uh but man, he came back out and just was like, All right i'm gonna go do my thing again 19 points for him and it's just attack mode attack mode he's not the most efficient scorer on the planet um but in this game shot over 50 percent uh hit, hit a few threes and uh and was the guy that was that was really aggressive with the balls and didn't turn the ball over either uh, none of auburn's guards did in this game which was pretty impressive of, the, of that starting three tri- or that main three trio
1: it's not surprising to me that Bruce seems to have a real soft spot for KD Johnson. They're both he crazy is, people, both of them.
0: He is uh you know, he he recruited KD out of high school, and you could tell that's a guy that he, you know, even in high school, you watch his his old high school, they was like, Oh, that would have been a Bruce Pearl Black because he's got it. And Zep does as well. Like, why watch does Zep, watch Zep play defense? And you're like, man, can you imagine just getting in the second half being like, I am so tired of this dude. You're five like, minutes <laughs> in
1: to a 20-minute game. And, and so I guess at this point, my brilliant math tells me you're 25 minutes in to a game. And Zep mm-hmm. Jasper is still hand-checking like you. Like, in your jersey. <laughs> and tugging your jersey and slapping the floor. And it's like, you're the worst. You're just the worst.
0: And so Zeb does that as the veteran, like constant, steady presence. Like he is a guy that's not flashy with his stats. Although I think he had a pretty good game on, on Saturday. Didn't turn the ball over. Him and Wendell Green. By the way, Wendell Green just he finds he finds dudes just in in his vision is pretty crazy. And he's doing some of the no looks and the lobs and stuff like that. Is he's gone to the bench. Here's the crazy thing, Peter. He's gone to the bench and has gotten more assists per game since he went to the bench. Like when he comes in, he's like, "All right, here we go, attack mode! <laughs> like, like get it, get it going." And so Zep being the steady hand, you got Jabari. I mean, you've got uh, sorry, you've got uh, Wendell doing all that stuff. KD, meanwhile, is like, you know for a fact that's the dude who's going to do that to you, right? He just has crazy guy energy from the moment the game starts. And while Zep does it, while Zep does it, I think a little quietly. Katie's gonna get in your grill and he's gonna let you know it every single possession and on offense he's just relentless because he's not afraid to shoot and he's not afraid to be aggressive and he's not afraid to take it upon himself to make something happen for his team and that i mean that kind of energy and that kind of attitude is gonna go a long long way, and I could see how just let me, SEC teams are going to hate him. Very curious I mean, I to know what
1: happens when Auburn gets into a one-possession game, which they will be in, I suspect, multiple times in conference play. At the oh, end yeah. of a game, a one-possession game, Alan Flanagan will be back. You will have Katie Johnson, who wants the ball at all times, including at the end of the game. And you will have Jabari. And so that's who should a have good, the ball. <laughs> that's a good problem to have, first right. off, because you have multiple guys who are going to be willing to to have the ball in their hand on a final possession. But also defensively for the other team, it's a real problem because I don't think you're going to be able to say, this one guy is definitely getting the ball on the final possession. Maybe right. one of those yeah. guys becomes that. Maybe Jabari separates himself. Maybe KD continues to have these amazing plays late in the game where you go, we have to trust him. I don't know. I'm just, it seems like one of the more optimistic things about this team right now.
0: Katie playing a great game. Wendell Green Jr. and Zep Jasper, like I said, no turnovers. But he finished with thirteen assists that game. Uh, listen to the, listen to these numbers because I thought they were. Uh, I put them in the observations on on Saturday, but um, this was a game where, all right, uh, Wendell Green's assist rate is now thirty point seven percent, which is top one hundred nationally. Uh, he is averaging over. He is averaging over four assists a game, almost four and a half assists a game since coming into um, the the coming into his new bench role. Uh, Zepp Jasper has 29 assists and five turnovers this season, an almost six to one uh, ratio there. Um, steady. You can see in a game like this, it, Yale was not a team that's going to create a lot of turnovers, not a lot of pressure. That's not the way they kind of play, but. Um, they were able to make that happen. Uh, and the, Auburn was able to just take care of ball, take care of the ball. Don't not no lazy passes, no you know um, easy giveaways like that. And there were some tight finds in there, uh, and some and some lobs, and some and some really good good passes from Green and, and Jasper. They got things And Katie Katie gets a lot of credit for that as well, because uh, when you when you have those three guards, keep in mind again, three guards that are new to the team and none of them turned the ball over. I mean, that is, that is a really, really good p- performance for sure. And then we have Devin Cambridge. Man, I I, I would like to talk about Devin Cambridge all day long. Uh, here's the here's the bottom line. Devin Cambridge is not a super efficient scorer. Uh, he will get hot, and he usually doesn't stay hot, uh, you know, for the str- for the length of the game or a string of games. Um, but he's open, and he needs to take them because he can hit them. Uh, but I mean, his numbers this season on defense are ridiculous. Like he, he's got by far the best defensive uh, net rating on the team. He's got by far the best, like on off, um, like, uh, best on off rating on defense. Like he, he is Auburn's best defender when he is on the floor. Auburn is a better basketball team period on the defensive end, which is huge because you were missing that in Alan Flanagan right now. And Chris Moore is also a really, really good defender. This is a game. Uh, Walker Kessler goes out. Jabari's getting his boards. Devin takes it upon himself that says, you know what, I'm going to go get these boards. Uh, double-double for him, his second one of his career. Uh, he said after the game, he said, my plan was to get Walker out of the game because he keeps taking all my rebounds, um, which uh, kind of shows you he is still one of the best quotes and, and has some of the best personality on the team. But yeah, excellent defense from him, excellent rebounding game from him. Again, the shooting is not going to be ultra efficient, but he's not a guy who's going to play with a ton of, he's not going to have high usage on this team. And also, he's going to be probably your fourth or fifth option most of the time when he's on the floor. And that, when a dude like that who can heat up is the guy who can be your fourth and fifth option, that shows you just how strong this team is on on offense.
1: Sometimes I wonder if the worst thing that can happen for Devin is like him hitting his first two, but there are also times where he can hit his first two threes and then he's going to hit four more. Uh, If he's going to be this efficient defensively, though, it's like Bruce Pearl has always wanted him to take those threes anyway. And so sometimes that has frustrated me because, as you mentioned, not efficient. But when he's that good defensively, and if he's good for a couple threes a night, it's like you're starting to get into that territory of it's like, yeah, well, if you're open, let it rip.
0: Yeah, if it's open, take it, right? And he is not a... That's the thing about Devin is, like, some people, I know some Auburn fans get kind of irritated when he's missing, but, like... I do, too. I'm in,
1: a, the, I'm in the club of, of being frustrated with Devin at times. Like,
0: you know, I get... But he's played really it. well recently. He's played really well recently. Well, and the, the and frustrating like,
1: thing is, you know, he could go nuclear. Like, yes. it's not likely, but there are games where he does it.
0: But let me tell you, and it's through eight games, and, and you know, Auburn's played a couple of major conference teams, but not a ton right now. But let, let, I'm going to say this. When he is putting up defensive numbers right now that are comparable to what Isaac Okoro was doing and in terms of his impact on defense, you'll live with it. <laughs> you will live with that because his defense and his rebounding, two areas that Bruce Pearl really, really challenged him to get better at this this offseason, has really come through. Like Devin Cambridge get, should get a lot of credit for the progress he's made um, so far this season. And when Alan Flanagan comes back and is 100%, he's probably out of the starting lineup. But then you bring that dude off the bench Okay, now you're talking about a completely different thing. And, and now you can get him playing some two more, him and Chris more. Like, you start getting... Uh, this is a team that gets even deeper. Um... You know, no shade towards Leo or Berman, but those are probably minutes that aren't going to be quite as plentiful for him. Moving forward. But maybe still, like, then at the point you're talking about Auburn getting into double digits in rotation, is like there's not very many teams that can match up with you like and that. Auburn's minimum, already minimum, top 50 in bench minutes, I think, this season.
1: Right. It's like, you know, I don't think that I really count on stretch being a factor for us, but if he can come in and help you out for a couple of minutes, if Leo or Berman yeah. has to come in for three or yep. four minutes, it's not nothing. It's not nothing when you get into nope. the round of 32 and – you know, you got two or three guys in foul trouble and somebody can come in just long enough to right. help you sort of right, right
0: the ship. Right. And they and they stay locked in and they stay ready to go, uh, which is which is big. And, and I and, I
1: know we're going to get in foul trouble in some games against some really, really good competition and SEC play like there's Just bound to yeah. be some games in the first five minutes where you're frustrated because a couple of starters are going to have multiple fouls.
0: If there's something I think with this Auburn team right now where you can say they can kind of improve this, it, it's it's the foul game. And I'm not just saying, like they're committing a decent number of fouls with their defense, and that's you know part of the physical way they play, and some guys getting foul trouble. that's normal. But they're also not drawing as many fouls, right? And it's not like they're not trying. You know, Bruce Pearl saying we got to get the free throw line. Oh, or Yale went to the line, even with the with the height disadvantage, they went to the line significantly more than Auburn did. In this game, and not very many people get into the line routinely for Auburn. Um and so that's that's something you're gonna have to do, right? You can't bank on college basketball officiating to be even or consistent. Like I know that. But that's one of the things that like if you want to see this team take the next level, like they start winning the free throw war, they start, you know, winning the foul war, I think, is is kind of the that's gotta be the thing that takes them to the next because right now, defensively, they're playing excellent, and offensively, they're playing excellent. Um I think Ken Palm, right now, which is my go-to, but there's a number of them. has got him at 14th in the country, 18th in adjusted offensive efficiency, 22nd in defensive uh, adjusted defensive efficiency. Um, this is a balanced team. This is a deep team. This is a team that's looking like a really strong team. And again, against a schedule, right now, Painter, I don't know if you know this, um, Auburn has the 70, uh, is, is number 79 in strength of schedule, according to Ken right now, of the games they played already. And so there is no Baylor or Gonzaga. We talked about this a while back. There's no Baylor and Gonzaga on this team, on, on the schedule. But Morehead State went to the tournament. Yale's probably going to go to the tournament. Um, UCF's going to be, I think, at least in the fight to get into the into the NIT this year. Things fall their way in the in the American. Go on a little run. Maybe that's the case there. You would expect Loyola to be in the tournament. You would expect Syracuse to be in the hunt, even though they're not as quite as good as they were supposed to be this year. You would expect UConn uh, to be in the tournament. They look really, really good uh, right now, early in the early in the season. I um, mean, they've only lost once, and they've kind of blown blown the doors off of the last couple of. Well, they actually, they actually scraped by Maryland Eastern Shore. Now I say that, but they they beat uh, they beat Grandland State pretty badly uh, yesterday. And I mean, really, at this point, you, you you don't think that's. I mean, South Florida doesn't look like they're going to be much of a factor this year. But they were a tough team physically, and that was your first game away from home. And then Louisiana Monroe is probably not gonna be much of a factor in the Sun Belt, but you never know. You got Nebraska coming up, and then North Alabama, St. Louis, Murray State. The final four non conference games for Auburn, you know, with the exception of Oklahoma and the in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. Um Nebraska, you know, around top one hundred, St. Louis a top one hundred team, Murray State a top one hundred team, and the North uh is at, is at three hundred right now. Um Three more games. I mean, this is this schedule is living up to the billing, where it was like it's not as high profile, but every game is going to be a test. And if you look at it at this point for Auburn, you've gotten a twenty-three point win, a twenty-eight point win, six point win, six point loss, nine point win, twenty-one point win, seventeen point win, twenty-two point win. Against that schedule, if you're putting up those kind of numbers against that schedule, that's a really really good sign because you're still not near a finished product yet.
1: On the whole, Bruce has put together a schedule that would constitute teams you could reasonably expect to meet in the first round, or round of 32 in the tournament.
0: Yeah. Some of those this teams is, will be tournament teams. Some of them will not, but Auburn is. That's the thats the caliber of team you would play early on. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I'm interested to see what Loyola does for the rest of the season. I'm interested to see if Syracuse, what they do for the rest of the year. Uh, they beat Indiana the other night, uh, in a wild game that went into a couple of overtimes. Um, it's a, it, it, Auburn's in a really good side. This is a, this is a program that on the floor right now, is top 15 caliber. And again, like you said, it's still early. There's still just a handful of games into the season. Don't have Alan Flanagan back yet. And that's, that's a good sign. Like they're trending up. Like they don't have the, like, they're not Duke and they're not Purdue and they're not, um, you know, those kind of teams right now. And Alabama's got the bigger scalp at this point and some other teams, like Kentucky's playing really, really well right now. I, but if you're constantly going up, right, and getting better and better, you should kind of peak and play your best ball when it matters the most. And this team has the talent and and, and the depth to compete for an SEC championship. I don't to say they're going to win it. It's going to be really, really tough to win it. But, man, just getting top four in the SEC this year is going to be – I mean, you're going to be one of the best teams in the country if you get that. They're in a good spot. They're in a really, really good spot. Painter, how do you feel about Preston Cook's role as being the guy who comes in late and just drills a three right on you? They've
1: got a bunch of likable walk-ons, but, of course, we love Preston Cook. And it's always fun when he gets some buckets. And and it's, dear old Auburn High, right? I mean, oh. Yeah, I mean, like the crowd gets into it, the team loves it, and you know, the uh, the Auburn High stands were right with them.
0: Um, I would uh, would like to point out. So I mentioned Auburn playing Oklahoma in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. The women's bi- SEC Big Twelve Challenge happened already. Shout out to the women's Tigers, uh, Coach Johnny Harris and the gang, getting another big win in year one. Oklahoma State, not a great. Uh, big 12 team. That's a big 12 team. And we said it coming into the year, like take as many wins as you can get. Because this is a build. Man, that's good oh, for yeah. them. Good for them. And they've dropped some games that have been tough, but like they're, they've got, they've got some scores. They got some, you know, they, they're not a full strength team right now. And they've got some, they got some uh, players that are getting buckets early on. Not a very tall team, so I'm interested to see what that looks like in SEC play because a lot of these SEC powers have big uh, post presence, which means that, which usually mean a ton in women's college basketball. But I mean, take any win you can get, especially ones like this where it's a quality win at home against a, a power conference team, shows that you could be ahead of schedule. And so shout out to the shout out to the uh, the Auburn women's basketball team for a big one uh, there. Had two players score uh, score 20 plus against Oklahoma State, which is a, a good sign, and at home too. Uh, and it looks like they're trying to build up a little bit more trying to get those crowds back in it a little bit more as well um speaking of crowds um uh, seem to be it to be several thousand people watching SUNY Lee and the Auburn gymnastics uh, team and their preview meet that, that gets going here uh in the near future so uh, like I said in the mailbag on uh on Friday um football team not doing so hot obviously this year was a disappointing year one but between basketball and a lot of the a lot of the women's sports i know we don't cover baseball and we don't cover a lot of these ones we just mentioned here but um there's optimism about the baseball team this year so uh auburn fans don't stay down don't stay don't stay too too down don't let alabama ruin your life like it like it's ruined painter's life or or anyone who's mad at him on, on, on the internet all right we will switch over to football here shortly before we do that painter Let's let the folks at home know how they can continue to help us out here at the Auburn Observer.
1: The numbers are going up. You guys are supplying the demand, which we love so much. Thank you for sharing the gospel. But you know what you can do also? 20 seconds of rating, reviewing, subscribing. Mash the subscribe button. Write a little word or two down. You know what? We love it when you rate and review and subscribe.
0: Yes, and it's so easy. Um, if you're listening to this podcast on an Apple device, just take that out, go to the podcast app, bottom right corner, tap the little search button, type in the Auburn Observer, click the Auburn Observer, scroll down to ratings and reviews, give us five stars, say something nice about Painter in it, and we will read your review. For those of you who listen on other podcast apps, we don't know how you can review. If there's a way to review on your app, that would be nice, but Apple, they, you know, they're called podcasts for a reason because they kind of run the world here. Um, so that... Really, really helps us out a ton. Um, if you don't have an Apple device, take somebody's, um, but give it back to them or at least like pretend to ask at some point. Painter, we've got some uh, reviews to, to read. You ready to go? Oh, yeah. Here we go. This one is from Sanford. The Tiger says, Auburn High loves Painter. Five stars. I love listening to the Auburn Observer on the way to Auburn High. Shout out, Painter. While I would just be happy to hear the, about the stats and the storylines of Auburn football and basketball. The only reason I can convince my sister to listen in the car too is because Painter and Justin are really funny, and is a good start to the morning. Keep up the good work, Painter. I'm glad you're bringing the humor on this podcast. You are the bright shining light, even when you're even when you're down in the dumps, like like
1: this weekend. <laughs> this weekend I was a ray of shun,
0: sunshine. sunshine. Sun, 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 shine, Shun
1: There we go. Talking, talking, talking.
0: You'll appreciate this podcast review as well. This is one is from uh, Nick Marshall was robbed, two goats. I have known both of these ex- exemplar g- gentlemen for many years. Having unfettered access to Painter's special brain is a great joy in my life. Been an Auburn fan for decades, and this is the only Auburn pod I listen to. Cheers, Kings! Shout out to that brave reviewer. This one's from A Coward Twenty Three says new subscriber, great content. My friends always talked about the inner circle and the podcast so much that I just had to join. So shout out to Jake and Dallas for talking about y'all so much that it convinced me to join. That's what we're talking about here, people. Word of mouth. You guys are our biggest asset. You guys are the whole reason that this happens. You guys are the whole reason we do this. And you guys are the best way that people sign up. So not only are you rating and reviewing the subscribe and the podcast, but... Some of you would like to join the Auburn Observer. You get the bonus podcast once a week. You also get all the access to our stories, our newsletters, AuburnObserver.com, $60 a month or $60 a year, if you're a member of the Inner Circle as well. As I said, previous podcast, it's Christmas. As Painter always says, Christmas is just around the corner. It's the it's Christmas season, and uh, we're in a giving mood. So here's what here's what we're doing. If you give a gift subscription to the Observer, you get a free month. Of your on your subscription. So take advantage of it. Just let me know. Shoot me an email. Fire off a tweet to me. We'll look it up. We'll get you set up. But here's the thing. Every gift subscription you give to The Observer, you get a free month, right? If you get one, I'll tack on a free month of your subscription. If you get three, you get three months. If you do 12, I'll give you a whole year for free. Um, that's what we're doing this time of year. So appreciate everybody uh, joining up. Like you said, $6 a month, $60 a year. More and more people continuing to, to join uh, uh, the inner circle and uh, yeah you get another podcast like this once a week and you get all of our stories and it's gonna be a busy time not only with all the stuff going on with football right now but auburn basketball every game um we've got you covered we've got we've got you covered there painter we also have to talk about our good friends the good brand homefieldapparel.com big big weekend for Homefield apparel um if you are a fan of uh, the two lane green wave. You're gonna get some joggers with the angry wave. Everybody loves our our beloved boy, the angry wave. But look, it's getting late. We talk about how the Auburn Observer is a great last minute gift for any Auburn fan in your life. All you gotta do is get an email and and you know quick little quick little credit card payment. That's all it takes. Supply chains, you know, uh, allegedly costs. down. Things aren't going so great right now for that. So you need to jump on it as soon as possible. And you need to jump on what Homefield Apparel's got for you cuz they have been getting stuff out super super quick, but you can't play around too long. We're less than 3 weeks away from Christmas. Uh homefieldapparel.com is your place for the most comfortable collegiate apparel on planet Earth. Painter, we are believers in the good brand. I mean, you can you you can you can attest to it. The softest t-shirts and sweatshirts you're possibly going to have i slept in mine last night yeah comforting comforting and trying times homefieldapparel.com right now i'm looking at their list of what they've got right now a few things are sold out but let's give a little quick rundown we've the got Cats. a bunch of t-shirts yeah they got a new cincinnati shirt that is sick um might might want to snag that at some point um you know we've got uh the national championship shirt from 1957 we've got um, Sailor Aubie on a Navy shirt, uh, putting his arm through the rim like he's Vince, Vince Carter. We've got Painter's uh, Twitter avatar on a on a, on a T-shirt. Uh, we've got a really cool orange one where uh, the Tiger's leaning on an A. He's looking he's looking tough. He's looking fierce. We've got some crewnecks, uh, grays, navies. There's a nice Auburn baseball script uh, orange shirt in there that I know is a personal favorite in my family. Um, some more Auburn basketball stuff as well. Uh If you go there... Type in the promo code Observer. You get fifteen percent off your first order. You missed out on the holiday sale, but we can still get you fifteen percent off if it is your first time at Homefield Apparel. And it's not just Auburn; any school uh, that is really important to you, there's a good chance that uh, Homefield is in uh, is is in their collection. And like you said, Cincinnati man, that cool that cool new Cincinnati shirt. Shout out to the Bearcats. Everybody's happy. Uh, Homefield's got big new Saturday season three coming up here. Um, next month and let me tell you it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun so there's always new stuff at homefieldapparel.com and they are a supporter of this internet podcast and our newsletter so uh, we appreciate connor and all the squad up in indianapolis so homefieldapparel.com 15 percent off your first order if you use the promo code observer painter as we sit here and talk on sunday evening Auburn is going to the Birmingham Bowl, as we said. Auburn does not have an offensive coordinator yet. So here's what we know about the situation. For most of last week, the name that was linked to Auburn the strongest was Zach Hill. Zach Hill is the offensive coordinator at Arizona State. He was Brian Harson's offensive coordinator at Boise State uh, from 20, I believe it was 2017 to 2019. Had a couple of really good offenses there under Harson. He has been at Arizona State in 2020. Arizona State put up some big numbers in a four-game Pac-12 season uh, this year. A little bit of a step back, but um, pretty good yards per play numbers. If you look at, you know, we'll probably do a deeper dive in the future if he is if he does end up being the guy. But um, pretty good yards per play numbers, not as much in scoring. It's a team that turned the ball over a lot and was penalized a decent bit as well, which hindered them. But um, definitely has familiarity with Brian Harson, definitely has familiarity with this type of offense. So what's the issue? Um, It's been reported uh, by a couple places at this point. um, And something that I can also uh, confirm is that Zach Hill, um, one of the things that people have thought this might have been going a little longer than expected is uh, there's compliance here um, because Arizona state is under NCAA uh, trouble at this point uh, for some violations that have occurred under the Herm Edwards era. Um, and so Auburn's doing, their, uh, Auburn's doing their due diligence. That is how it has been described to me at this point. So um, if I were a betting man, I would bet on Zach Hill being Auburn's offensive coordinator in the near future. But the longer this goes on, the more time goes on, there's always things for the change. Remember, nobody really expected Brian Harson to be the higher until it happened. Um, so could definitely see that happening elsewhere. So we'll see if it's Zach Hill. There's some other guys that have been floated around the uh, offensive coordinator, Western Kentucky, Um, Zach Kitley, uh, man, they put up an insane year of offense this year. Came short against UTSA Meep Meep in the uh, Conference USA uh, Championship game. Um, Also kind of like an air raid team, so that was an interesting fit. People have talked about Jeff Grimes. People have talked about um, a a, a potential situation where Andy Ludwig, uh, Utah, by the way, Pac-12 champion, Utah, uh, Oregon did not want any of the smoke <laughs> from, from. Wasn't that the, Utes. the
1: least surprising thing you've seen? <laughs> they d- like going into that game, it was just like, you know what, Oregon should win, but I won't be surprised when they don't.
0: Yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy. And meanwhile. It looks like Mario Cristobal is going to go to Miami.
1: Manny does is still the coach. Yeah, them not firing him first is just cruel. And you I think know it
0: what? was, I think it was, I think it was uh, Ross Dellinger who who reported on Sunday. It's like, okay, so here's the situation. Um, he's trying to figure out if he's going to come, uh, as in uh, Cristobal. He's trying to figure out if he's going to come uh, to Miami or stay at Oregon. If he does, that's the hire. And then. Uh, if not, they're going to retain Manny Diaz, which I don't know. If it's so public like this, is like, man, aren't you just the lamest duck, no pun intended, of the world? Like, if, if a guy, if a guy's like, yeah, they moved heaven and earth to bring this guy back in, um, and then when he said no, they're going to keep me anyway. Um, I mean, he's getting and they don't have right a,
1: now. He is the fallback. And they don't have an AD right now. It's a mess. I mean, really, they are trying to give Auburn a run for just airing all their dirty laundry
0: yeah uh it's uh it's chaotic it's wild (laughs) hilarious Um, and they
1: may end up with a really good coach when it's all said and done
0: maybe it'll be (laughs) way more
1: entertaining if they don't
0: yeah right um our buddy alex Kirshner tweeting on on sunday evening he said a crystal ball to miami move would be the blockbuster of the year most coaching carousels this week it's quaint i'm actually bored (laughs) It's kind of crazy how you think about it though. when you have Brian Kelly going to LSU from Notre Dame, when you have Lincoln Riley staging the biggest like jump uh, to uh, to to USC and taking all of Oklahoma's recruits with him. That part and it's has like, been very funny. Oh my goodness! It's like it was like it was well orchestrated. You know, shout out to USC because they probably just went in and said like, "Hey, let's hire the best coach uh, possible." But USC. Like USC at this point, I i wouldn't be surprised if they would've walked in uh to you know, when they were saying, All right, who's gonna be our next head coach? Who's gonna be who's gonna be the guy that's gonna be our, our, our man moving forward at USC? I wouldn't have been surprised at all if USC just pulled up the like the the recruiting rankings and say, All right, who's recruited California the best this year? Ah, Oklahoma. Well maybe we could get him <laughs> like it was such a good move. And so uh but this crystal ball stuff is wild. And like again, no A D Manny Diaz is we're 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 off on tangents now at this point, but Clemson. Apparently the uh, apparently that Brent Venables is, is gonna be the guy at Someone Oklahoma.
1: Finally got him out of there.
0: And man, I mean, talk about waiting for a spot. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, he's smart. Uh, there's so many coaches that jump right away and I'm thinking, why don't you wait one more year? And this guy's like the you know, far end of that where he's like, I waited six more years. But he yeah. finally did find a job. And he gets like, Oklahoma out All of it. Right.
0: Like, you waited. Good call. Kirby Smart, same thing. Clemson's A D might be the guy at Miami now. Uh like someone Clemson's someone gonna, was commenting. Clemson's about, gonna get really interesting here really quickly.
1: Yeah, someone was making comments about how like the uh, Clemson AD that could end up at Miami likes to build things, and I thought that was just a funny way of phrasing things. They were like, he's out of things to build at
0: Clemson. Yeah, it's, Clemson's about to be in a really interesting spot moving forward. But anyway, so that's the that's the situation going on right now with Auburn. Um, Zach Hill seems to be kind of the leader. Um, things can still change. It's not, not confirmed yet, but um, it seems like if if everything kind of gets, you know, all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed. Um, I welcome the situation.
1: recruiting violations. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it takes, they, they man. Were, like, what we'll do your Their thing. issue,
0: their issue was like they were doing it during COVID. That was the big one. It was like, wasn't like they were like necessarily like dropping bags, but it was like, "Hey, no one's recruiting right now. Can't have people on campus, you know, because of COVID." And they're like, "All right, <laughs> but what if we did?" <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that uh, that that works out. Um, By any means necessary, brother. We'll see also what happens in terms of who's going to play in this bowl game uh, for Auburn and who's not uh, any more transfer portal leanings. It seems like the Bo Nix um, – and calling it a saga is, I think, kind of unfair to him because, like, he's just he – and really, like, well, it's just like, all right, I'm, uh, he's going to make it his decision, and I don't think he's going to make a decision until Auburn has its offensive coordinator in place. Uh, but uh, I think Bo Nix watch is still ongoing. Um like I said on the on the premium podcast on Thursday, I think it could go. I think it really could go either way. Um, it seems like seems like it hasn't been settled yet. And of course, there's a lot changing about this program and this roster. Um, and so I would I would be interested to see what next does. But have you heard anything rebe- about
1: Tank Bigsby? It hasn't been mentioned. There's absolutely nothing to. But like from everything you know, does he seem to be a happy part of this team?
0: we'll see we'll see i there hasn't been any smoke yet i mean like obviously if he ends up going into the portal at any point george is going to be the one everybody points to <laughs> right. George's kind of in the playoff right now like you know george has got kind of, george has got a pretty crowded plate at the moment they're busy yeah so we'll see we'll see i'd be very interested to see what auburn's offensive coordinator how much that hire kind of kind of sways things there um I'll be int- I'll be very very interested to see what, what what goes on again. If I were a betting man, I would probably like I said probably gonna be Zach Hill. I would probably think bonix comes back next year. We'll see about Tank as well. I think there's a lot a lot between now and then because got to keep in mind also like there are several months left for anybody like Nix or Bigsby or anybody else on Auburn's team to make a decision. Right, like they could leave at any point, point. and Auburn could bring in guys at any point before this before really next fall camp. Um, so gotta gotta be a little bit patient kind of play the long game a little bit here so um i know some auburn fans are kind of i don't know if upset's the right word but like man hey what's what's taking it so long with with your offensive coordinator you are
1: owned right now
0: that is what you're thinking um and just a couple of things here Uh, number one (laughs) number one um I think a lot of people have, like especially with like Hill or some of these other guys have said like what about recruiting? My thing is if you're an offensive coordinator prior, like recruiting's important but priority one for an offensive coordinator is not recruiting. Like you want to have that in your bag but also like let's be very let's be very clear cut here. If Auburn's offensive coordinator, whoever it is next year, doesn't help improve this offense, he's probably not going to have much time to recruit at Auburn, right? Like that's we we just saw this with 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 uh, with Mike Bobo in the offense coordinator job here. Um, secondly, there are people who, whenever a name comes out or anybody comes on the market, it's kind of like with the Dan Mullen thing, even though that never really made any sense and wasn't a no fit. Joe Brady getting fired by the Carolina Panthers. Man, did anybody stock drop, drop harder than that guy? Man was getting interviewed for head coaching jobs. I stand with Lonnie.
1: I do not want him to go to Alabama, Alabama whenever somebody inevitably decides, you know that Bill O'Brien guy? We should give him another chance, which someone
0: will do. Uh, he had a pretty good Saturday.
1: Yeah, you know what? Fine. I, I'm not even going to get into it. It's not my problem. I'm just saying... I think we know what the Bill O'Brien head coach thing looks like.
0: Yeah, we have a pretty good idea. We have a pretty good idea. But what you that know looks what? Like.
1: You're right. All right, you you win that point. Alabama is still good.
0: My thing, my my thing here, my thing here about it with the offensive coordinator hires is like I understand, and Auburn fans want a national search and they want all the best candidates to be in the mix. I get it. Like that's that's what you want to be when you're in that program. But very important to note people have to have reciprocal interest, right? And so when we look at Jeff Grimes or we look at a guy like Andy Ludwig or if we look at a guy like, you know, several other ones, kind of keep in mind where they're coming from. If a guy like Jeff Grimes or a guy like Andy Ludwig or even a guy uh, like a Joe Brady, like Brady's thing, by the way, if you're worried about recruiting, Joe Brady doesn't seem to be really high on that, um, which is part of the reason why he got back into the NFL. But take a Jeff Grimes, for example, right? Would be a great hire for Auburn. He's the one I thought would be you know, if I had to put together a list of candidates, he would be the top one for me. Just won the Big 12 title with Baylor. Um, you know, finalist at uh, for the Broyles Award. Also um, did an excellent job as Auburn's offensive line coach, comparatively speaking to what they've done recently at, at the position. A lot of ties. It makes a lot of sense. But Auburn is in a spot where they are 6-6, six and six, and the situation around their head coach is not, I'm not saying it's, you know, hot seat or anything, but it's not the most stable thing in the world just because you just got rid of your offensive coordinator less than a full season in. And so Dave Veranda is a bright, shining star in this industry right now, and Baylor is on the move, and they're just one of the... Auburn's got a lot of money. It's a bigger program than Baylor, right? I, we get all that, but there's got to be interest in that. Like, Auburn... Whoever takes the offensive coordinator job at Auburn is not stepping into the easiest situation in the world, and where they're at right now might be more favorable, okay? So whenever it is a guy like Zach Hill or somebody with familiarity with, with Harson, and people immediately just kind of like, oh, no, why, why, why? Why didn't they go get this guy? Why didn't they go this this guy? You know, you guys know this, but, like, there's got to be reciprocal interest. And Auburn is not in a position right now where they can just snap their fingers and get whoever they want. Right, they never are in that position, but I think also in this spot they're in a different. They're it's a little different than most. So patience, I think, is key. And also the other thing is, this like, what do we say every time there's a coaching hire? Maybe, maybe, do you know? I think some people have already resigned. It's like if it's a guy like Zach Hill, or if it's a guy like you know with with some ties in the past ours, and like, well, this will never work, or like this is an underwhelming hire. Do you know who else was a hire that was an underwhelming hire that was never going to work? kevin Steele, and then a few years later he was getting paid more money than any other coordinator in football right so i know there's going to be a rush and i know we can all kind of point and see like okay this may work this may work for this reason this reason this reason but it's different situations different teams i don't know it's just nothing's a sheer sure thing and nothing's a sheer sure disaster except for probably steve adazio at colorado <laughs> state It's the fault
1: of no Auburn fan, but Auburn has created for itself a situation that is tough because a coach has to come in and there's already Mm -hmm. a high standard just involved uh, with coming to an SEC school that has competed for titles, but everything that surrounds Auburn in terms of all three of its biggest rivals, winning uh, a conference title recently or being in a national title recently. like. It's you know I I would throw
0: Dell McGee into that mix as well (laughs) like you know Dell McGee would be living a really good situation
1: yeah you know so you look at LSU and Alabama and Georgia and the success that they have in different ways and the short leash that any SEC coach is on but especially one at Auburn and one that historically has not always had the support of the people that make decisions and of course fans myself included don't tend to be very patient. Like there's all these things about Auburn that are very attractive, but at the very same time you look at it and go, uh, you know, when you talk about reciprocal interest, it's like,
0: do I want to deal with that? Yeah, that's a, that's a very important note to make there. Um, and again, there's a lot of reasons why Auburn's a good spot to be in, but Number one thing I think with the offensive coordinator hire is that Brian harson has got to get somebody that he feels like he can work with and is going to be the best spot for his success. Remember, if you're going to let this guy make a hire, if you're going to let him do these things, like, let him do what he needs to do, and if he succeeds, great, but if it doesn't work, he, it did not work on his own terms. You don't want to handcuff a guy. You don't want to limit him, Right. You know, when you make a hire like this and you and you give give a guy, you have to give faith in it. You got to give trust in it that it's going to work, right? When all these programs like a Nick Saban in Alabama or Kirby Smart at Georgia, these guys got control, right? These guys got in and, and get, get get to call their shots. And I think Auburn's meddling some of the narrative around is a little overblown, but there's also part of it that that sticks. And so we shall see how much that, that impacts moving forward. and um, But like I said, I would expect to hear something about an Auburn offensive coordinator here in the next few days. And um, if it ends up being a guy like Zach Hill, or if it ends up being somebody with uh, Brian Harsin uh, in his background, that would make plenty of sense. And if it's somebody like a Jeff Grimes, people will be excited. Or, you know, if, if it's the guy from Western Kentucky, that would be like, I think that's the thing too, is like Western Kentucky, like I have no dog in this fight, but it was like, if they hired the Western Kentucky offense coordinator, my first reaction would be like, all right, this will be fun. I'm, I'm interested to see what this looks like. Like, you know, from my perspective, it would be fun, but you know, this is going to be the best fight for them to win. We'll see.
1: Offense we'll see. has gotten all the attention because of the coordinator change, because Bo Nix's status and perhaps Tank Bigsby's, of course, other people have also said they will not be coming back. Um, Defensively, it seems like Zacoby has made it pretty mm-hmm. clear he won't be back. And you know what? I hope that he has a an opportunity to play professionally. I'm really curious to see how he matches up at the next level. Owen Colby, are there any rumblings about those guys?
0: No, not yet. I mean i I haven't heard anything about it either way uh, for those guys. Um, I don't think Colby's got a ton of buzz around him at this point, but we will see. Um, that's the other thing. It's like guys can get feedback a little at this point, but like, it's not, they're not in the full, like submitting the evaluation. Like we're not at that point yet. Um, so should be, should be, uh, should be an interesting, uh, next few weeks, uh, for Auburn. I think this roster is going to be overhauled and we'll see what that looks like in recruiting. I mean, we're, we're not recruiting analysts. We're not recruiting experts. There are plenty of people who cover Auburn recruiting that do an excellent job of that at all the sites, uh, uh, rivals and on three and, and, and two four seven. Um there's growing kind of momentum right now and belief that Auburn's going to be able to flip some guys down the stretch, have a decent finish. Like not top fifteen, top ten class obviously, but like kind of like what they did last year is like, hey, get back in the top twenty, hit well in the portal and see, you know, if you can hit twenty twenty three even harder because I think that's gonna be the real defining year for this this recruiting class moving forward. So we shall see. We shall see. All righty, Painter. I think that you have anything else you want to add here on football while we have, while we have a little bit of time.
1: Just want to reiterate how much this basketball season means to me <laughs> and my self-worth.
0: Oh uh, yeah. For, the first time, the, the next time they lose the game, you were going to just be in shambles.
1: The main thing is I, sorry, Bruce, but I need a sweep of Alabama. Like I've never needed something think you'd be fine with a split Uh, you know what justin i don't you should be no i don't Mm -mm. Mm. no none of your objectivity today (laughs) get that out of here
0: all right sweet all right uh that'll wrap it up for us appreciate you guys listening appreciate y'all for waiting for those of you listening on sunday night or monday morning we were waiting for the confirmation of the bowl and trying to see if there was any movement with offense coordinator, but go party in like... Birmingham. Like, I don't think I'm going to yeah. be able to make it, but
1: genuinely wish I could be there for what is an extremely it's mediocre. It's going to be a sight. Game. It's going to be gonna a sight. It's going to be fun. For the people yeah. that are there,
0: they're going to have more fun than they would like to have. Probably. Probably. So, um, observer this week, we've got, we'll be on, you know, offense coordinator watch, obviously, uh, other roster moves, uh, as well. Um, that potentially could be coming or going. You never know. Uh, a Michigan, lot of basketball.
1: Cincinnati, you got it. You feeling good about either of these, teams, Fergie?
0: Because I think I'm interested to Michigan's see what Michigan, Michigan does. Line, I'm, right? I'm interested to see what Michigan does against Georgia. I'm really interested to see what Michigan does against Georgia. Cincinnati. Thank you for service. Thank
1: you for making it, and making it so that they. Could I would have, love
0: for you to have a really competitive game.
1: I, wouldn't um, it be fun? But it's like just by making it so that the in, like the, the committee had
0: to do it. Yeah. And remember they beat a pretty good Notre Dame team this year. I'm just I respect Asensi
1: yeah. for just making it where the like the, there was no way yep. that the committee could leave yep. them out.
0: Yep. Um basketball this week, we will talk about it later in the week in our preview podcast. Nebraska. You get to play a little Nebraska ball in um in in Atlanta. That should be uh that should be a a fun game uh, in an NBA arena. We'll talk more about that. Uh Like I said, Jabari Smith Film Room coming out on Monday. Mailbag. We'll have plenty of it. AuburnObserver.com. Sign up there. $6 a month or $60 a year. And if you give a gift, even if you set it in advance to kind of go into around Christmas, let me know so I can go ahead and give you your free month. If you enjoy uh, dodging
1: taxes, this is basically the same thing. We're giving you light for light.
0: There you go. That's it. That's (laughs) it. This is money laundering. That's what we're doing here uh, for a good cause. All right. Painter, your final thoughts. You got a Bills Monday Night Football game.
1: Stefan Diggs.
0: Well, I called me wife and I says to her, would you kindly tell to me, who owns that horse outside the door where my old horse should be? Are you drunk, you drunk, you silly old fool, you cannot see. That's a lonely soul that my mother sent to me. Well.